mean, I see your point, but I'm just not sure if people are going to want to pay that much for pictures of your butthole. Oh, we're recording. Uh, hello, welcome back to Sakamichi Nights. It's been two weeks, we've been away, but we're back. It's great to be here with you today, uh, Daniel Bellamy. I, now I know why you're so eager to start. Normally you say, hey, would you like to start or would you like me to start? And today you were like, I will start. I was in a frisky mood. You had, uh, you had that zinger lined up. I had some, some gags up my sleeve. How are you doing good. today? I'm good, man. We've had a two-week sabbatical right. from I, the podcast. Did you find yourself? I'm sure you've prepared a lot of material. All I did for two, two weeks. weeks was just research, research all of the topics that yes. we might talk about. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the things that you researched? You know, beer. Right. You've been researching beer. You have been researching beer because you went to Drink Japan. Well, not only together me, this you morning. also went to Drink Yeah, Japan. we went this morning. What did you think of? drink japan you know uh it seems like robot waiters are a hot item are they though i mean there were 10 companies there at least pitching their robot waiters mm. but is this a market that exists yeah. right who are they selling yeah. these robot waiters to is this going to be a thing or is it just there is a lot of venture capital around robot waiters right it's a solution looking for a problem uh, I, it's one, you know, we were talking to someone else about this on Twitter and I, I kind of referenced it briefly in that I feel like my initial read is what you just said. Who wants this? Who, like, what niche does this fill? What, what is this? What is the market for this kind of product? But at the same time, you know, I'm no futurist. I, I, I don't necessarily know that I have a good sense of where markets are going to go in the future and what kind of technology is going to be useful for people. So uh, potentially it's uh, obviously there are a lot of companies that have identified this as a growth market and something that that is going to be useful in the in the near future. So will it turn out to be just some like boondoggle that everybody throws money at and then eventually we go, oh, yeah, no, people actually want an actual human person taking their order and bringing their right. food. Yeah. Uh, or is it the way of the future that we're going to go in and there'll be touch screens at every table and you order through the menu and then a robot brings it out to you and you never have to see a person. But then how are the, how are the Karens going to berate their surfing staff? I want to talk to the robot manager. <laughs> the manager of all the robots. I can the see, robot overlord. I can see a few specific cases where it might be useful. Say if you were bringing food to people in, I don't know, uh, an infectious disease ward. Okay. Having a robot bring it through might be useful. Um, if you were trying to help uh, a small boy escape from the NASA facility where he was being held against his will, mm, and get back had, to like, the spaceship. powers or something. Yeah, get back to the spaceship that had helped him to travel through time and return yeah. to 1986. Right. Those kind of circumstances, I could see it being useful. Mm, but, but outside of those two... Those are the only two that I can come up with yeah. off the top of the dome right now. And I have to say that none of the robot waiters that we saw today looked like they were suitable for those two specific tasks. Neither of them were in the shape of a dog. That is true. That's a huge problem. Yes. Um, but it was it was fun, wasn't it? It was interesting to to see some of the, the new products and new technologies sure. yep. that are coming to drinking. It was fun to, to try some beer at 10.30 in the morning. It was useful for us. Uh, we are wanting to get into canning. And with our space, we're looking at uh, quite a small footprint canning line. 
So we got to see one of the models that we have been interested in, like got got to see the actual physical model in front of us, which yeah. was super yeah. useful. Doesn't I matter. knew it was small, but it was good to see it like right in front of us. Absolutely, yeah. You can read the technical specifications, but mm-hmm. actually seeing the thing in front of you is a, a very different experience, yeah. isn't it? Um, so it was useful. One other slightly exciting piece of news. Um, I checked the charts for food and drink podcasts All in right. Japan. All right. Um, would you care to hazard a guess as to where Sakamichi Nights currently ranks? Number two. Okay, you're close. First. <laughs> Wait, what? Sorry, no, I've misread that. 61st. <laughs> All right, sorry, I misread that again. 161st. Is it really 100? How are there 160 food and drink pot? Is this including Japanese I, language? If there are only 160 food and drink podcasts and we're 161st, then that's that's going to be <laughs> a real damning review, isn't it? doesn't it? matter if there's 161 I think there are 162 of them. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. There could be 500 of them. 161st is not great. I don't know. I, I think that's it's not nothing. Is At least we're not 162nd. I'd hate better, to be those fools. Yeah, but the point is, is it better to be last out of 161 or 161st out of 162? Uh, I they would both re- suck. I would refer you to my Strava leaderboard. <laughs> <where> I explore <laughs> both of those spaces. Uh, how are there 161 drinks pod drinks food and drinks podcasts? Is it Japanese language stuff included as well? Yes, yes. Okay. It was well, in the Japan geographical area. Right, okay. Hey, I, I think that's that's not nothing, is it? Well, how many are there? <laughs> we could be dead <laughs> okay, last. Okay, wait, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, I've misread my notes. That is nothing, isn't it? <laughs> it means nothing. Um, this is a food and drink podcast. More specifically, a drink, podcast, a drink podcast, right? Yeah. Where every week we, we review a beer, correct? Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. You had two weeks. This was the the only thing I told you to do for two weeks. Yeah, I've been reviewing to... your notes. It says here, <laughs> this is a beer review show. Figure out the point of this podcast. Uh, no, we're here to celebrate beer. I see. So we're not here to review the beers. You know what? It's all good beer, my man. Not in the world, but in this particular shop slash bar. Everything that we serve is good. We don't serve bad beer. And whatever we drink on the show is something that we have either in the fridge, in cans or bottles, or on tap. Mm. We are serving it or we're selling it. You know it's good already. So we're not going to tell you if it's good or bad. It's good. It's all good. Uh, We're just going to give you our rambling, semi-coherent thoughts on it. Yes. That's slightly over-promising. Listener Douglas from Lorda in Scotland has been in touch uh, with an objection, actually, he says that this is a review show. How dare he? Because we're pretty clear on this. We fact. we don't sort of say if the beer is good or bad, but we speak. We we tell people what our thoughts about the beer is, and mm. he he claims that that is a review. Your response? I mean, who is this person? Is he even a real person? I assure you, he very much is a real. Person. This could is it is it could be an AI though. It could be like some kind of machine learning uh, troll, right? That they've just like they've fed it 4chan for like years, and now it's like go and do your thing. It's just firing off like pedantic emails to places. So you think 
that we're being gaslit here. You know, I'm saying it's a possibility. Right. And because it's a possibility, I uh, discount this question He's and a, his opinion in its entirety. He's a Russian bot trying to discredit us. Basically, yeah, trying to destabilize America. It's not a review show because we don't say if the beer is good or bad. It's all good. Wait, it, I just said it was good. That's it. We're kind of reviewing the beer and saying it's all good. Anyway, it's not a review show. Yeah, so tell, uh, tell Dougie boy... Uh, of, of Lauder. Of Lauder, if that is a real place, <laughs> that he can stick it. Uh, I will uh, tell my dad that the next time. I <laughs> Thank you very much. Is it your dad? Yes. I thought it was one of your brothers. No. Ah, sorry. What is the beer that we are... I know your are? dad. He's a lovely man. What is the beer that we are here to celebrate this week? The beer that we are here to celebrate and not review is Air Apparent by Licking Hole Creek. Of Goochland. Goochland, yeah. that's right. We're back in right. Goochland. You didn't think it was the disgustingly named Goochville this no, time. No, disgusting. Uh, what kind of beer is air apparent? It's a, it's a hot one today, literally and figuratively. It's mm. an imperial stout. It mm. comes in, a, I think it's 11.2, 11.7, excuse me. Right. Uh, but it's brewed with chili peppers, vanilla, and cinnamon. So this is going to be a particularly incoherent episode of Sakamichi Nights. Both the high alcohol as well as potentially a hot wings style right, show. Yeah. This is the show with hot beers and even hotter non-reviews. Have you, before we get into this, have you had other chili beers? Uh, I have. Uh, I have drunk and in fact made chili beers mm. as well actually. When I worked at Baird's we had a smoked uh, habanero porter. Uh, the malt was smoked, not the habaneros. Do we have that on tap here? We have sold that here as well. So. Yes. Is it um, Smoke and Fire? Is that? That's it, yes. Smoke yeah, and Fire. Good. It's a really, really good beer. Yeah. Um, occasionally, we would have people um, come into the, the tap room at bed and rather annoyingly just order a beer. Just give me a beer. I don't care what it is. And if we had it on tap, I would always urge the staff to serve them a glass of <laughs> smoked habanero <laughs> porter. This is what you asked for. It is a beer. A beer, yeah. Um, so that one is, is really good. Um, my one tip for that is uh, when you dump all the chilies into the kettle, don't put your face immediately above the port mm, because yeah. you're going to get a real real slap in the face from that one. Is that a, does that come from experience or did you, you knew not to? Uh, that to comes from experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. How about you? Are you a fan of chili beers? I've had some really good ones. Uh, I, I, there's one that sticks out in my mind that I didn't enjoy. And I don't want to dog any brewery on here, but this was... Not uh, a review show. This is not a review show, yeah. But this was a uh, another... It was a habanero version of a classic IPA from this company. Right. And I bought a bottle of it, and I poured it into a glass, and I drank about half of it, and it was so hot that my whole mouth was burning. Nice. And no, not. And... Uh, about halfway through it, I was just kind of like, I'm not enjoying this. And I, I did something that I very rarely do, and I poured the rest of it out. Wow. Uh, I didn't feel like subjecting myself to it. So, like, there's a risk with chili beers, right? The flip side of that, we have one coming up, the Atomic Pumpkin from New Belgium. Right. Which we've had in before, which is a pumpkin ale, if memory serves correctly, a pumpkin ale with uh, chilies and other spices in it. Yes, yes. And that thing is delicious. It's really good, isn't it? I think there's there's a risk with chilies, isn't there? You, we touched on this before. You talked about brewing with fruit and uh, the issues with not knowing, you know, you get fruit from different seasons, like 
how sweet is this? How sour is this? It'll like have a how very much different of, character, depending on where it came from. The same amount. The growing and, season and so on. Sure. And with chilies, you have all of those kind of questions, but it's chilies. So yeah. if you have too much, uh, it can really be too much for a lot of people. And it's really hard to tell, especially if you're using whole chilies. Like, how hot are these? Sure. How much heat is yeah, this going certainly. to add to the beer? Um, I think that the chili beers that we have had on tap, I think it's just the smoke and fire. But that's also one that I always make sure to confirm with people when they order it. Just so you know, this is a spicy beer. Sure, yes. Sometimes people who don't have a lot of experience might just pick something at random off the menu. And you can be sure to tell them, oh, just to let you know, this is a sour beer. Mm. Just to let you know, um, this one is spicy. Yeah. Uh, Just before you get into it. But some people are very sensitive to spiced stuff. That's true. Uh, Even if it's you you or I feel like it's quite mildly spicy uh, for someone else that can be over the top for them. Local perverts, Daniel H. has a notoriously mild palate. He can't even handle the the smallest amount of spice. Is that that what you're doing? Yeah. Getting some digs in. That's what I've heard. Okay. All right. Anyway. Enough uh, digging. Let's crack open the beer. All right. we're back so the heir apparent from licking hole creek in goochland what's your uh what are your thoughts on this i have to say i had to double check the can because i don't know if you get this but it tastes bourbon barrel aged to me it does doesn't it yeah there's quite a barrel specifically character to yeah it. but quite specifically bourbon barrel mm-hmm. not just straight oak barrel mm-hmm. or some of the other things that people are doing with the barrel age stuff, but very specifically, it's not overpowering. It's quite nice. Uh, but I, I actually went back to check the can because I had read this before. I didn't think that it was aged in whiskey barrels or any kind of barrels, uh, but it, it definitely has that um, that kind of note to it. It has a kind of treacly flavor, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. Um, which... Uh which does, it's slightly reminiscent of bourbon. I'm, right. I'm not actually a huge fan of stuff that's been mm, aged in yeah. bourbon barrels and so on, but this is a really pleasant beer. I think uh, we both noticed that the color is quite striking. Um, when I hear like Imperial Stout or 11.7% or something, I think it's going to be jet black. Absolutely. It's, it's not, yeah. it's kind of a dark ruby, um, a, a kind of brown color. When mm. you hold it up to the light, it shines through yeah. in a really nice way. Kind of a, a tan head as well. Yeah, it's very it's pretty. A really nice beer to look at. And then the biggest flavor I get out of it is just it's really rich yeah. and complex. I think there's treacle in there. There's chocolate. There's mm. lots of layers of flavor. Mm. I have to say, it's not spicy. <laughs> I don't really get any pepper out of it. And I don't really taste any cinnamon either, to be perfectly honest. But it's, it's such a complex drink that maybe this is going to be one that, as it warms up, reveals new characteristics. Certainly. Or expresses itself in different ways. And that's very much an interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand about, what would you say? Is it dark beers, rich beers, high alcohol beers? Multi beers. Multi beers in right. particular. As you let them warm up, character is going to progress and you're going to pick out different notes uh, your obviously you, your home fridge is set at one temperature. Well, I, maybe modern fridges aren't. I don't know, but like in general, all of your beer is kept at the same temperature. But 
the proper temperature for drinking an IPA and the proper temperature for drinking something like this are going to be different. Right. You want to take something like this out of the fridge, let it warm up a little. At this alcohol percentage and this kind of richness of character, you're not going to be knocking this back like an Asahi commercial. It's not exactly crushable. It's not exactly crushable. You're going to take your time with it. Uh, And you should. And you should absolutely let it warm up and see where it goes and and what kind of transition the flavor makes. Because you'll pick up different notes as the the temperature of the beer rises. Absolutely. And uh, as the, the beer slightly oxidizes in the glass as well. But yeah, I totally agree that this is a beer that you would want to uh, to slowly sip at mm. rather than crushing on the front porch. I also had a kind of mental U-turn when I when I first tasted. I feel like you don't get a lot of the alcohol. Mm. It's quite smooth, I think, in the the foretaste, if you will. But as I was having that thought, I think all of the alcohol heat comes afterwards. <laughs> yes. Initially, you go, hmm, that's quite nicely blended. Like, there's a bit of vanilla in there. And then as it sits in your mouth, it goes, oh, and it just, like, boils up into like the a nice brandy or something. There. Yeah. Uh, which is a really kind of delicious and fun transition. Mm. But sometimes we have high alcohol things that it's hidden so well. Uh, recently, I drank a can of Stone's uh, 1031, October 31, Enjoy By, which right. is a hazy double IPA at 9.4%. Big beer. The alcohol is completely hidden in that thing. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely dangerous, delicious. Uh, and it's difficult to hide that much alcohol. Uh, this one, initially, I felt like, ooh, that's quite smooth, but you definitely, it comes on after the fact, which is good. It's going to slow you down a bit and make yeah. you savor it a bit more boozy on the finish mm. uh, the headwind cold IPA that we have on tap at the moment is 7.2% mm. but that's uh, a really easy drinking beer as well which is a little bit dangerous isn't it mm. uh, yeah so I agree that this is something you would want to kind of savor and take your time over but what would you want to pair it with uh, every episode we spin the wheel of pairings and pair the beer that we're drinking together with one of eight categories which could be Number one, food or cuisine. Number two, TV or movies. Number three, music. Number four, video game. Number five, location. Number six, activity. Number seven, drinking companion. Or number eight, wild card. Let's roll the dice. Number five, location. Right, so. Obviously, this is a slow sipper. Mm. Where would you choose to drink other than Goochland? Obviously. Where this would you is, choose you're going to gonna rule that out for me after the last time I said, at the tap room, <laughs> I would drink it in the brewery. <laughs> directly, from, directly from the tank. Um, where would I choose to drink this? I think that uh, I am not this person in, in so many ways. But I think that if I were a high stakes poker player okay but not a real one right because a real one like you're losing your own money like a fictional one in a movie right that i would sip this out of some kind of appropriate like a cognac glass or a yeah some kind of glass that's meant to like really hold in and serve up the aromas yeah. to you the skull of one of your previous opponents yeah something like that is that that you people don't die in poker do they i don't know maybe they do anyway extreme strip poker. extreme strip poker at the end you strip off your skin. Yes. Uh, yeah. So if I were an extreme strip poker movie champion, 
I would drink this at the table. Good choice. Because you, you don't want to drink it fast, right? You want to drink it slowly. And I yeah. feel like it's enough alcohol that you drink it slowly to lose your edge and get like ballsier as the game goes on. Ballsier being appropriate because it's a strip poker tournament. And um, also, I, I assume that if you're playing poker in the casino, the casino is comping you these drinks, right? Yeah, right. So you wouldn't sure. even be paying for it. Yeah. It's a good choice. Give me more of these uh, expensive beers. Give me more of these free Imperial Stouts, mm. please. Yeah. Um, do you remember the movie John Carpenter's The Thing? Yeah. Um, so you know the scene at the end when McGreedy and Childs are both kind of in the ruins of the base and like everything is on fire. One of them might be The Thing. They might both be The Thing. And they're drinking from a whiskey bottle. I would like to swap out that whiskey bottle for a can of this and two glasses because I think that would be the perfect location to to drink a can of air apparent. In that movie? In that specific situation, yes. Okay. No I further questions. I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> I feel like you overestimated my yes when you said, do you remember the movie? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I know the movie. I'm aware of it. And then you went, do you remember the scene? And I went, oh, we've already, specific scene. we've gone beyond my knowledge of. But uh, yeah, they're both kind of, they're both sitting in the snow. Um, the firelight is quite romantic mm. in a way, I suppose, quite sensual. Uh, and they're sharing, they're sharing a moment together, much as we're sharing this moment together just mm. now. Yeah. over this uh, delicious can of beer. And I think, you know, whiskey, that's a bit played out. Who drinks whiskey anymore? Yeah. You want a nice can of Imperial Stout. So what the peppers, kids are drinking. Cinnamon and vanilla. Yeah. I think they would both enjoy that. The Thing would certainly enjoy it. Indeed. Well, I think that was a really good non-review, Douglas. <laughs> now, this is a beer with three fairly interesting adjuncts in it. Um, the cinnamon, the peppers, and the vanilla. Uh, we have quite a lot of interesting adjunct beers in the fridge right now. There's even one that was brewed with real donuts in it, mm. right? We have, a, we have a vanilla beer, we have some raspberry beers, some mm. white chocolate beers, and so on. Um, I quite enjoy adjun- adjuncts in beers. Like adjuncts are, are, are non-brewing ingredients that you can stick in to add extra flavor or extra character or something like that. Um, if I was to, to put you on the spot right now, what would you say are your top three beer adjuncts that you enjoy top three man uh i not in any particular order just tell, give me three that you like you know i like dark beers the the common ones that that often turn up in beers that i really enjoy the cacao nibs and vanilla i yep. think they they add a lot of really interesting character uh but i mean that that's pretty standard for that style on top of that then i like any kind of uh, kind of dark, rich berry, blackberry, raspberries. Uh, we have a boysenberry, uh, right, also yeah. an imperial stout in the fridge right now, which I had a can of. And boysenberry pie. Delicious. Uh, so I, I like that kind of... We have black cherry, the cake hole from Moondog in Melbourne right now. I haven't had that yet, but it's on my list. Uh, I like that kind of that, that rich, dark fruit. Right. Note to things right. that Black Forest, which is what specifically the cake hole is, kind of dark right. cherry and, and chocolate. So I think uh, those those go really well together. That vanilla, uh, vanilla 
vanilla adds its vanilla flavor, but it also kind of just smooths things out almost in a way that the lactose does. It, yeah. it kind of gives you a rounded creaminess to it. It can be quite subtle. It can enhance other flavors as yes. well. Yes, I think that's what it's doing here in this air apparent. Mm. Uh, so the two obvious ones for me, I think, are vanilla and cacao nibs. And then beyond that, I like any kind of real dark, rich berry, raspberry, blackberry, dark cherries, that kind of thing. I think uh, vanilla and raspberries are both on my list mm. as well. I really enjoy those flavors. And then maybe in, in a lighter beer, in a, an IPA or something, I do really enjoy some nice citrus. Mm. Japan Certainly. has a lot of good citrus fruit. Yeah. And uh, you can do some really interesting things um, betwixt citrus and citrusy hops yep. sometimes. What about uh, an adjunct that can be tricky to use, that can sometimes lead to non-optimal results? I, I think you have concerns just with the brewing process of adding anything with too much sugar in it, right? You, right. Can, uh, you can end up the yeast just going bananas and, and turning something that you maybe didn't want to be a an imperial whatever into an imperial something. Uh, so that's and obviously bananas themselves a would be a bad ingredient. Sure. You don't see a lot of banana beers. Maybe no. that's why. Uh, cost is an issue for sure, especially if you're dealing with fruit and other kind of fresh things. And then just, you know, the process of processing and the process of processing and, process of processing, and yeah. brewing yeah. something. Process, yeah. How do you deal with the fruit? How are you getting it? Yeah. Uh, what part of it do you need? Waste is an issue. Like maybe you want the, the rind of something, but you don't want the actual fruit inside. So what are yeah. you going to do with that? So they, I think there's a lot of things that you need to consider. Sanitation. Like um, if you're putting this fruit in after the boil, like mm. on the cold side, mm. is it going to be sanitary right. when you put it in the beer? Or is it going to introduce bacteria or sure. even different yeasts right. into the fruit that's certainly an issue you want to look at and then i think some ingredients are just very tricky to dial in something like cinnamon can absolutely overpower every sure. other flavor yeah. if you put too much of it in mm. and so you have to be very controlled in the way that you you add that to a beer don't you when we do finally get the brewery in here what is one adjunct that you would like to try using in a beer We've talked about doing something with Udora, the, the Nightmare Asparagus. Right, yeah. Uh, just that, putting him in a beer. Yeah, just dumping that in there. That, that may be, um, I don't want to say gimmicky, but we would be trying to marry a, like, use, making a good beer out of that with the marketing opportunity. Honestly, I don't even know what Udora tastes like. I've never actually had it, so we would have to... <laughs> To try some sure. and then figure yeah. out a beer that it would work yeah. in first. I think, um, you know, you mentioned two off the bat that I think make a great pairing, and that's vanilla and raspberries. Yes. And I would like to put the two, I think, uh, a vanilla raspberry, you know, I love brown ale, so vanilla raspberry brown ale would, uh, I think, be pretty incredible. Mm. In fact, when I was relatively new to craft beer, drinking it, uh, one of the best beers, a beer that just blew my mind was by Lost Coast, which mm. is a California brewery. Mm. They make a raspberry brown ale. And I had it at the Full Monty in uh, Yokohama many years ago. And I could not believe that a beer could taste that good. Right. It was incredible. And actually, when I biked through California, I made it a point to go to Lost Coast to have that beer because they don't... It's not a regular release, so you can't find it anywhere else. But they have it regularly on tap at their own place. 
uh, and I went did it, to go Did it live up to your it. memory when you had it again? You know what? It didn't. Uh, but, <laughs> don't um, review it. Don't review the beer. Um, it was great. It was still great, uh, but it was not as... You know, we, we've, we talk a lot on here about how your enjoyment of something, in our case beer, a lot of times comes down to the circumstances in which you drink it. Absolutely. The mood, yeah, the yeah. people, it's the so place. Subjective. That's why we talk. We do the, the fun game with the pairings. And I think, uh, for whatever reason, the first time I had it, uh, the situation was perfect for that. And the second time I had it, the situation was less perfect. Right. I think um, uh, kind of a, a rich dark beer together with some rice crispy squares might be really interesting mm-hmm. because you have the marshmallow in there mm-hmm. and you also have like the rice krispies which have a very particular flavor. Mm-hmm. I think it would be tricky to balance that one out, but mm-hmm. I think it could be quite interesting. And that could that could turn out pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. That does sound good. We're going to have to wait until we get the brewery though. That's a nice one because you could do it and then... Uh, hopefully it would be good and popular and you could do it again the next year, but do like a chocolate Rice Krispie square. Mm, yes, mm. that would be pretty good. Now this week we've also been lucky enough to have a few questions from some of our listeners. Two questions, mm. in fact. Um, why don't you take the first one? Because the second one is a slightly technical question. So this comes in from Neil in Wakayama. He mm. says, uh, how busy are you since the emergency ended? Is it back to peak levels yet? Or are there people, or are people still a bit nervous about going out? What's been your impression so far? We've been open for almost two weeks now. Uh, I think it's, it's probably a bit of yes to both of those. I am sure that there are a lot of people that are still a bit wary about the situation and, and uh, trying to play it safe. And my feeling about this entire thing is that, that everybody needs to uh, do what they feel is best, including us as the owners and operators of this business. We have to run it in a way that that we feel is safe. Um, But the first weekend that we were open, it was lucky that the weather was pretty nice and uh, we definitely had a lot of people coming in uh, and checking us out and and it's been pretty steady since then. I feel like we've had pretty good clientele coming in. It has been good, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that... uh, whether you have been struggling with financial difficulties during this time or not, I think that the massive change to most people's lifestyle through this thing has had a very de- like strongly detrimental effect on people's mental health. Right. And not for everybody, but for some people, a lot of people, going out even if you go out by yourself, I, I go out to, I used to, I don't go anymore, but I used to go out to places by myself with a book and sit down and drink a couple beers and not talk to anyone. And that's awesome for me. Like, that's right. great. Right. Not being able to do that for other people, not being able to go out and meet strangers and chat to them or not being able to go out with their friends to a place and have a beer and chat to them, uh, feeling concern over all of that and and a lot of this through this time has felt like whatever you choose is kind of the wrong answer i think that's been weighing on people so to reach a point with vaccination levels in japan and the infection numbers that we're seeing to be able to say like that the government says hey it's okay to go and do this and that people feel comfortable going out and do it i think it's got to have a positive effect because whether you've been really kind of hurt by this whole situation or you've been somewhat insulated from it 
I think it's had a really tough effect on everybody. Mm. Getting back to some kind of new normal, I think, is good. Human beings are naturally social animals. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean, as you say, going out and talking to strangers in bars, but being able to just be in a place that is not your own four walls sure. and sit and chill out for a bit yep. uh, is definitely something that people have missed. So we're very glad to be able to offer that Absolutely. to our local community. Here. And still doing it in a way like keeping the place well ventilated, doing absolutely. it in a way that, that we feel safe and we feel like we are keeping our customers safe. Safety is absolutely the number one Certainly. priority. And as you say, we ourselves want to be safe sure. in here. So um, we wouldn't do anything if, if we didn't feel it was safe. Mm. The second question comes in from uh, Casey in Ishikawa. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically he says uh, he's really been enjoying low alcohol beers like mm. Beery recently. Are you familiar with Beery? I know of it. I'm about as familiar with Beery as I am with the thing. So you'll remember this scene from Beery <laughs> then. Uh, it's from uh, Asahi, I think, uh, and they, they make this um, beer-like drink that is only 0.5% mm. alcohol. Uh, and Casey wants to know, how do you make beers that are that low? in alcohol great question uh and i will say first of all that at least according to japanese liquor laws that is not a beer it's a haposhu uh, it's not even a haposhu uh, anything less than one percent is not technically considered to be an alcoholic drink interesting so you don't actually kirin don't have to pay liquor tax on that if it's hmm. less than one percent they still have to make sure or at least the retailers have to make sure that kids aren't buying it by hmm. mistake because okay. it does have some alcohol in it um, but it is a lot cheaper from a taxation right. point of view. Do you ever drink non-alcoholic beers? I do not. Or low-alcoholic beers? I do not. There are basically two ways that you can do this. Uh, and for both of them, what you have to do first is just make some beer, some normal beer. Okay. Uh, and then you can either try to evaporate off the alcohol. Mm. Uh, and there are two ways of doing that. So the kind of the old fashioned way is to take the uncarbonated beer and basically just heat it mm. and alcohol evaporates at a lower temperature than, than water okay. and the rest of the stuff. Right. The beer. So the alcohol will boil off before the, the rest of it, mm. kind of the opposite of distillation. Mm. You're boiling it and then discarding the alcohol right. uh, and you can get it down to, you know, the, the alcohol level that you want um, either through heating it or, this is the more modern way, by putting it in a light vacuum. Mm. And that will also lower the boiling point. And you can put the vacuum on to such a, a point where all the alcohol will evaporate off, but the rest of the beer will stay there. Interesting. Um, but it won't lose as much of its flavor. Like heating made sure, beer, finished yeah. beer, is detrimental to its flavor. Um, so that's one way. You can, uh, you can basically evaporate the alcohol out. Uh, and the other way is by... Um, kind of a process called reverse osmosis, mm. which sounds extremely complicated. Mm, I'm a big fan. Um, which basically means that you have to kind of push the finished beer through a membrane, mm. love membranes, yep. um, that only allows, like the holes in it are only big enough for the water and the alcohol to pass through. Okay. So you filter out basically all of the flavor compounds. Right. And you're left with just water and alcohol. Mm. And from that, you can then evaporate the alcohol in the method of your choosing. Right. And then you then mix it back into right. all of the flavor stuff that you filtered out in the first place. Um, so those are the two main ways that you can make low alcohol beer. Mm. Um, neither of them result 
in a product that is pleasant to drink. <laughs> According to you. According to me. And that is, is very we, much my opinion. We should re- reiterate that this is not a review show. I'm not reviewing it. And, Just and it's, But also, it's not beer uh, under Japanese liquor law. So I think we are, we are allowed to review things on this show that are not beer. We have okay. reviewed candies before. So then what's your take on beery? Uh, I haven't tried it. So I don't want to, to give a review. But I will say that under Japanese liquor law, it is not beer. It is not okay. considered beer. Uh, we we had some talk about this a couple of years ago. And I know that there are a number of breweries that have made quite a good name for themselves. Not only making, but specializing in low alcohol beer. Not this low alcohol. But uh, I have read about a few different breweries that have been doing like 2% and 3% mm. beers. Right. Um, and specifically marketing them towards, specifically marketing them at, at events a lot of the time. There's a lot of, not so much recently, but in general, there's always different 5K and 10K runs and marathons. And now you've got trail running and ultra marathons and cycling events, all kinds of things, triathlons and stuff. And these people, a lot of times, want to have a beer at the end. Some of these people have been training very hard for this event. Maybe they've been foregoing any kind of beer. So they want an 11.7% imperial stout. With chilies, vanilla, and cinnamon. Maybe they do. Some of them, that should be available to them. But uh, it seems like there is a big market in that kind of environment for like a 3% Kelsch or, you know, a wheat ale with some kind of fruit in it. Yeah. So there's definitely a market for those things. And and outside of that as well, we have people that come in and look at the tap menu and go, what's the lightest thing you have? That sure. is their kind of guiding light for making that choice. And that's a kind of beer. That's a style of beer that has a long history mm. as well. Um, it could either be made with just less malt mm. or less fermentable sugar in mm. it. You could put in some unfermentable malts um, or... Uh, one way that that used to work in the olden days before sparging was a thing is that you would mix the grain and the hot water to make the wort, drain that all off. But these days what we do is we add more hot water to right. the top of that to kind of wash off all mm. the sugar that's left. But that wasn't always the process. And so they would pull off that first wort and then they would add more water to the same grains and kind of get a much weaker wort okay. the second time around and ferment that into small beer ah, right. or light beer. That was mm. uh, something else that used to happen. I, I think there's value in having it. I think that there are people that want to drink lighter things. There are people that want to go out and have two or three beers, but at 5% and up, that's tough for some people. Yes. So having something on the tap board around that kind of 2%, 3.5%. We've had customers tell us this specifically, that they would like to have something in that range. So there's definitely interest in it, for sure. And I think there's value as, as much as we, with Shibasaki Session, which is a session IPA, it's a bit lower alcohol at 4.5%. We, and I say we generously, I mean you, uh, worked really hard to make sure that there was a lot of flavor in that beer at 4.5%. Right. So I would imagine that going even lower than that requires even more careful recipe design to make sure that you get a, a nice tasting, good, flavorful beer. Unless you want something percentage. that is quite light in flavor right. as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, something that you can just drink as you would drink water or a kind of table beer. Right. What's beyond crushable? <laughs> Ultra crushable. Ultra crushable. Yes. Yeah. Um, powderable, I don't know. What's, mm. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Pumiceable. Pumiceable, no, still no. 
No, we're reaching. Uh, if you have a better idea for what goes beyond Crushable, mm. let us know uh, in the comments or by uh, sending us a message on any one of the social media services that we use all the time. Uh, we have a bunch more interesting beers coming up uh, in the fridge this week, and we have um, one new original beer, well, semi-new original beer. A return. A return. Uh, the Oni Cohen Kelsch is in our fridge and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and I'm guessing that within the next one to two days, that will be on tap. I think it'll be on by Friday when the last keg. Yeah. I mean, the other side of that announcement is we're on the last keg of Golden Kiwi. That's right. This is your last chance. So uh, if you like that beer or you wanted to try that beer and you're listening to this podcast and it is Thursday. still yeah, Thursday or Friday, like get in. Get in here and crush the last of this Golden Kiwi. Because that is crushable. It's very crushable. That's about all we have time for this week, though. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, next week, we're going to have Tyler on. Oh, really? I don't know. Let's just roll with it. He's he, committed to the bit. I don't know. He jokingly said he would be on. I say, let's push him out there. The welcome return of Tyler. I think everybody enjoyed Tyler. That, Tyler is why we are 161st as opposed to 160th. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one.